Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021. We never have to live another day of 2020 for the rest of our lives. Congratulations to all of us. We survived it. We made it this far. I'm not sure 2021 is going to be any better. Parts of me actually think it's going to be worse, but we made it through 2020. So congratulations, Chris. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess congratulations is in order. And it's funny how it flips to the calendar year flips. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's, it's kind of, sometimes I don't even think about it as the first of the year. I mean, it's just like, it's because of the season goes from, obviously we've got, um, you know, the, the playoffs and then the championship game. And then obviously the playoffs starting in the NFL. So it's kind of like, to me, my yearly calendar kind of comes in stages. It's when the end of the playing part of the season, when recruiting season, free agent season, draft season, you know, getting ready, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it is how we've slipped in to 2021 hope uh, everybody out there is off to a good start and uh yeah let's hope it's a it's a better year and um i'm just look we look i think we're we um we have gotten to the point now where i feel maybe for the first time comfortable but i still am gonna be glad when we get this game uh underway monday night when we kick it off monday night i'm gonna be happy because then i know there's no delays there's no issues because there was a point in time where i was worried a little bit about you know what might happen and um so i'm glad we've got that so good to be with you man um we we uh last joined you folks last week we last couple of weeks with the holidays we did once a week all the games and everything. So much has happened in the week as we normally join you Tuesday and Friday. And I am, uh, I didn't even ask Neil on that. I'm, I'm ready for this Friday and and we'll be back, but so much is going on. And we're at the time of year where it is the new season coaching movement that's going on. And I know we're going to, Hey, we're going to get into much of that as, as we can today and take your comments, questions and what have you. We'll start with the two games. We'll, we'll talk about them quickly. And then uh, I do want to get into the coaching stuff because that's, frankly, fascinating stuff. And I know that's right in your wheelhouse. Um, Alabama handles Notre Dame in much the way that I think we thought they would. I actually thought Notre Dame played a good game. They just didn't have the weapons to, to beat Alabama, to compete with Alabama. And then the one that was a surprise, at least to me, it, it was a surprise to a lot of people. It was a surprise to Vegas. Ohio State blows out Clemson. I'll just I'll just put it on a tee there. I don't think you want to spend a hell of a lot of time on Alabama Notre Dame, but the Ohio State Clemson thing was a fascinating game. Yeah, you know, quickly in Alabama Notre Dame, we talked about Notre Dame being better physically, and I think we saw that. It's just you mentioned that the ability to get off um, press coverage, get open at receiver, and and quarterback played limitations there. Getting I don't know if people heard about it. Jack Cohen is transferring over from Wisconsin to Notre Dame. But, yeah, that was the issue as we thought. And I think uh, Notre Dame, uh, quite frankly, anybody in that fourth spot would have struggled, probably worse than even Notre Dame, um, of the fourth seed candidates. far as Clemson, Ohio State, it's one of the things that just did not know what Ohio State team we were going to have. I felt like back in the summer, back in the day where we were hoping we were going to play, 
but wasn't sure. And at that point, thinking that we're going to certainly everyone's going to play the same amount of games, at least that's what I was thinking. This Ohio State team, I thought, had national championship capabilities. I, I really did. I thought that they um, had all the pieces, quarterback, offensive line, great receivers. But, you know, what we didn't see this year. And everyone, while is speaking on how they didn't deserve to belong because they were six games and all that, and that, that, that is certainly valid points of how many games you played. One of the things I always said that I just didn't think this team was developed like I thought they would be. It, it would be. In essence, I thought playing 10 games, 12 games would have really helped this team develop a little bit more into what they are. There's always a risk of injuries, of course, as we saw that with Justin Fields in the game. But, man, did they uh, explode on Clemson. I think there are a couple of things that jumped out at me. First of all, all credit to Ohio State. They put it together. And don't think that they weren't uh, – had an edge in their preparation. Uh, uh, from last year, they felt they were better than Clemson and let them off the hook. And then the whole you don't deserve to be there, all that, that that's real. Okay. That is real. It's I think some people overplay it, but some people underplay it. It, it is used. When a coach falsely talks about how nobody respects you, you know damn well when somebody doesn't respect you that they're gonna use it. So I thought that was a factor. But there's something that I thought was pivotal. I thought two things from a coaching standpoint. I thought this team, this Clemson team was good. It wasn't great. Offensive line, uh, I thought played better this in that game than they did most of the year. They don't have the difference-making big-body receivers. The defense, not as dominant. So it was a good Clemson team, not dominant. I do think that Ohio State is a little bit more talent in terms of right now, in terms of who are the premier guys? Ohio State is a little better playmakers on the defensive line and whatnot. Clemson's got younger guys that are going to be really good. But a couple of things that just stood out to me uh, in watching the game and then looking at the tape, you know, Tony Elliott, when you don't have your play caller, folks, play design is a science. Play calling is an art. And so people will look and say, boy, that – Clemson came out. That offense looked good early. Well, I can tell you because I've been there, seen it, what he did. He Elliot. obviously put, scripted the first part. He, of he, he put ease. I put it. Yeah, I did. I put it. He, he absolutely had the whole initial game plan. But the ability to be able to adjust in game just wasn't there. And, I mean, it's certainly not something Dabo can do. Uh, and, and no disrespect, it's just that they, they were missing that. And so I thought Kerry Combs really did a tremendous job and I thought just really caused a lot of problems for Clemson offensively. And defensively, look, I, I got to tell you, they did a good job, Ohio State did, running the football well enough. I thought Brent Venables, who's great defensive coordinator, kept, kept saying that. On um, on Twitter all night that guys these safeties are just playing too shallow, and it's you know the tight ends ate them up. They worked the tight ends to their advantage and got them matched up in in favorable matchup for them. And Justin Fields was the difference. He just went off uh, like nobody's business. I mean he he was the difference because you can have a game plan. You can put things in position, but if you don't have a guy making the plays, what he did in terms of throwing absolute elite throws in tight windows, making good decisions, and they did a good job of scheming guys open, but making good decisions, even some of the best plays he made were the checkdowns. I mean, it just you you saw him, and then of course, uh, anybody questions his toughness, uh this guy continued to make throws and make plays even after he got uh, racked a bit. Now, I was, <clears throat> you know, I mentioned this last week that his thumb was a real problem against Northwestern. Yeah. And 
and, and you saw that got better. And for people who don't know, yeah, they they shot him up in the ribs at halftime. You can't shoot up the thumb because if the thumb's numb, you you have no feeling. So you got to play through that. And uh, clearly, you saw him throw the football like we've seen Justin Fields in the past. So a lot of things, folks, that people make comments on, they really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. That Ohio State team was well prepared, well coached, very talented. Um, and I, you know, the, but the fact that they blew up Clemson was really, really something. And, um, uh, we'll get into it. I know probably a little bit more Friday, maybe even touch into it today. This, this has the, we'll go into kind of what I think the game plan is going to be Friday with Ohio state and how they're going to try to attack Alabama. And I think this, this, this Ohio state team is more capable of beating Alabama than Clemson was. Um, my initial feeling, Chris, is that the line, which right now is seven and a half points, Alabama favored by seven and a half, the line's too big. I like Alabama to win the game, but that feels like a lot of points because I think Ohio State's going to be able to move the football and score points on this Alabama defense. Well, but you know that the line is based upon kind of where people oh yeah, believe their money. And and nobody, no, yeah, I know nobody bets more than Alabama fans. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, gamblers say this, I don't, I don't know this, but they say that the Alabama line movement with their, the fan base, um, betting on their team, that, that seems to be that. So I think that has something to do. I would agree with you. I think that, um, it's probably about right. Maybe a little bit less. Uh, you know, I think that there's no question about it. We'll get, we'll get into a little bit more kind of where I see the game, but it's okay. Can Ohio state duplicate it? Let me say this. And maybe this is a little peek into it. This is a better coach team. This Alabama that so I, I think that the ability to make adjustments at offensively and defensively, Alabama's certainly better than Clemson and have, certainly more weapons on offense and more ways to cause some problems that, uh, and adjust to it that, uh, that Clemson didn't. So I still favor Alabama in this game, but we'll get into more details on those as we go along. All right. So along the same lines of Alabama on uh Saturday, I was getting ready to cover Ole Miss and Indiana and in the Outback bowl. And a couple hours before that game, a couple of news items broke. Lane Kiffin agreed to a new deal at Ole Miss. And then the bigger news, Tom Herman was out at Texas. Steve Sarkeesian in Chip Brown of uh, 24-7 there in Austin, who is um, the authority with all things Longhorns. He broke that broke both pieces of news at the same time. Uh, pretty big pretty big whopper of a, of a report on his part. Turned out to be 100% right. Some people came out with different things about whether or not Sarkeesian was going to take it, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously Texas didn't fire Herman until they knew they had their man. Your thoughts on Texas's decision to fire Tom Herman and also the uh, decision to hire Steve Sarkeesian? Well, on the the firing of, of Tom Herman, once you, to use this term, cheat on your coach, you know, <laughs> it's hard to go back. You know, once they flirted with Urban Meyer and, and, you know, boosters, what have you, it's it's really hard. And I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with Tuberville at Auburn. I don't know if you were there at that time in the whole, you know, uh, yeah. gate to, to Petrino. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that doesn't, you know, that that's not going to work long term. We saw it with Les Miles being kept another year at LSU after they struck out on, on Jimbo Fisher. And um, so – it just usually doesn't work. Now, if you can't get a guy, then you have, you know, sometimes you, you're stuck with trying to make it work. It, it just doesn't work. We knew they wanted to move on from him. And who did the key boosters? Again, we've talked about this. I know we talked about it in the whole Auburn situation. Texas has more of them. It's uh, even more of a problem at Texas because there are more of them. And they're in Tom for being a, former GA uh, with Mac and a Texas guy and all that, that never went well. I, I, I know that the whole eyes of Texas, you know, gate and all was, that was absolutely, he, he backed his players that was in the face of the administration and the boosters who did not like that. So that was, he was dead man walking. It's just a matter of when the irony of in, in full disclosure and uh, Neil knows this, but, and doing a lot of coaching search work, I, I hear a lot of rumors. 
and a lot of them from coaches and whatnot. Folks, I, if I repeated them, 90% of them would be wrong because a lot of them just don't come to pass. They may be legitimate rumors about this and that. It's just anything people know is when you say, you know, Joe is going to X, and, and if it doesn't happen, well, it wasn't true. Well, there's a lot of things. I have been hearing, and quite frankly, kind of dismissed for no reason other than but a lot of coaches have told told me about watch Sark to Texas. But it was a lot of stuff from people that typically are wrong, that coaching, and it's like, okay, yeah, you know, fine, whatever. I mean, it's not like it was, well, that doesn't make sense. It just, I never really, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I just never really checked into it and fooled with it. Well, I'll be darned when that happened Saturday. For me, it was like, I'll be darned. It sure did happen. And clearly, you know, it was something that's been in the works for a while. Um, certainly the rumor. But you know what, Neil? You you helped me with this because you, you have a better feel for this. I did not, and I don't, but I don't pay attention to this. I, I have I didn't see any any of that stuff rumored in the media before and did you no it didn't i heard some rumblings about it um like you i just you just never know it's 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 funny you say that because you know look lane kiffin just signed a new deal at old miss and yet there's some talk about coordinators and you know uh, brian harston's trying to put together a staff at auburn obviously there's an opening at alabama where sarkeesian has left and uh you know saban's got to fill that spot and you're right, coaches and coaches through their people gossip. It's it's like a soap opera. And, you know, at the end of seasons, being careful how I do this because I don't want people to think that I'm talking about anybody specifically because I'm not. But at the end of seasons, these people have been around each other for a long time and they're sick of one another. You know what I mean? They've been They've been in meetings with each other all year they've been in practices this year it's been even worse because everybody's having to get shots and um everybody's being swabbed and everybody's being tested and everybody's having to wear a mask all the time and you got all these protocols over you there's just so much going on and so there's a little fatigue at the end of the bowl season and so the coaches get away for a few days it's a dead period the coaches convention is normally now this year i think the coaching convention is is going to be um virtual which fascinating um <laughs> but they get away and they gossip and they talk and uh you know phone calls get made and uh coaches with vacancies reach out to a number of people it's an opportunity to pick brains it's an opportunity to kind of get the lay of the land a little bit it's uh it's an opportunity to find out kind of what's going on and Sometimes those conversations get labeled as interviews and sometimes they are interviews and sometimes they're not interviews. Sometimes they're just temperature gauges for lack of a better word, but there's a lot of stuff that happens. And so these things can leak out. Those of us who are pretty connected know some people and we could talk about, Hey, you know, it's never in, inside any program. It's never as great as you hear, and it's never as awful as you hear. It's usually somewhere in the middle, and different people it it it, it fluctuates with the with the week. So I wasn't I wasn't shocked about Sarkeesian. Here was the one thing that surprised me about Sarkeesian. You and I talked about this, I think, on this show a week or so ago, maybe two weeks. I can't remember. There's been rumblings in sort of the coaching fraternity. That, hey, you know, Nick Saban turned 70 Halloween of 2021. Um, you know, maybe maybe the end is closer for him in terms of the coaching end at Alabama is closer for him than some people think. Who knows? And there were a lot of people that thought the one guy that was the leading candidate at Alabama to replace Saban if something happened with any degree of eminence was Sarkeesian. And so I'd begun to believe that because I knew that, you know, Auburn had reached out to Steve Sarkeesian. Um, he wasn't interested. There was something that held him back. And I assumed that that was the Alabama job. Turns out that I assumed incorrectly that it was the Texas job. 
So I read into this a couple of things. One, that, that Texas was the job he wanted. These things don't happen overnight. And then uh, the second thing that I read into it is that Nick Saban's not planning to leave coaching anytime soon. And, and you know, there's this assumption that Sark wants to be the guy to replace Saban. But, oh, boy, that'd be a great job. You replace in the program set. Uh, that 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 is usually not a good situation to have to replace a legend because anything you do is not good enough. I mean, you, you lose one game. Well, even though Nick has lost one game several times in a year, just not good enough. And, um, and, and look, when the opportunities are there, Texas, for all the people that like to make fun of them, Texas has a lot of potential in, you know, what you wonder. And I wonder from a Texas standpoint, uh, how is this going to work? Um, and we'll, I, I know that um, already working a little bit on kind of who he's going to try to bring with him to Texas, but how, how is this is going to really work? You know, the offense has been pretty good at Texas, but the, the culture and everything, well, Steve Sarkeesian is a really good play caller. He's really good. But what type of culture is he going to build? And, oh, well, you know, you learn this from Nick. It's it's different. And, and so um, I'll say this. The folks at Texas are not nearly as excited in getting Steve Sarkeesian as they were when they hired Tom Herman from Houston. That was, they were doing cartwheels then because you're getting it all bought, you know. So I don't know from that standpoint. From Sark's standpoint, people say, why would you go? Why wouldn't you go with that type of money? So it doesn't work. I mean, you're walking away with a ton of money. You got a great opportunity. This guy has been a head coach at Washington, at USC, and now at Texas. I mean, how many people have coached at two types of a USC, Texas? That's really, really rare. So um, it's quite the opportunity, and I, I understand it from his standpoint, from Texas's standpoint. There's no doubt what Texas is trying to do. They're, they're made a run at Saban a while back. You know, didn't work, never really was, you know, trying to urban. They, they realized, well, the next best thing, we'll go and get somebody that's that's close, that's been touched by them, that that just, you know, maybe can bring that magic. That's what they're hoping that they're going to do. And, you know, they've got enough money over there to where they can. They wanted the big money folks wanted Herman out. And this is their what they feel is the best option. And I don't know. I don't know how it will work. I don't know that if I were them and I were doing it, that I wouldn't, you know, see how comfortable I wouldn't have been with a uh, Matt Campbell who's done it in their own conference. But, you know, don't know. Maybe maybe they did and quietly, you know, Matt wasn't interested and not a fit. Or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's always interesting. But, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of rumors that go on and a lot of it, too, to add what you just said is a lot of egos, too. A lot of people like to have people and I'll, and the reason why I don't repeat stuff most of the time is because most of the time when people tell you stuff is with the hope that you, you say it on your different platforms because it makes it look good. If Joe Schmo, you, you hear they're looking at Joe Schmo. Well, that name gets out there and don't think because I get this from like decision makers, administrators that, don't know football. Hey, hey, what about this guy? And I'm like, oh, I can always tell. They've been reading it or hearing about it because it is, I hate to put it this way, it's some slappy that spends more time self-promoting and not really good. And I think that's the real key is today people try to win the PR battle and that's, and they don't know. And then so you got an uneducated ability to evaluate a lot of these candidates and you got egos involved in PR involved. And I think it leads to a lot of mistakes, but no, I, I, it, I can't say I was surprised based upon it, but yet, boy, I just not, you know, I'm just not, I'm not buying necessarily that uh, I, I, I just I was surprised Saturday I, overall when I thought about well I guess it was true so <laughs> yeah uh, 
talk a lot about that. I want to get into some other stuff, though, because there's some other names flying around. The NFL regular season ended on Sunday. Jacksonville's got an opening. The uh, Los Angeles Chargers, it still feels weird to say that. They've got an opening. The Jets have an opening. There's some names flying around. Urban Meyer's name flies around. This Jacksonville opening is attractive to people, and here's why. Um, and I'm trying to find this. I might, might have to pull it up on my phone. They're way under the cap. Lots of draft picks, including the first pick in the draft. It's um, 15 picks in the draft, five in the first three rounds. It's an attractive job. You get to build around your quarterback. Assumingly, uh, I assume that would be Trevor Lawrence. Does Urban Meyer take that job? And if not Urban Meyer, who's the head coach in, in Jacksonville? Yeah, I, I you know, let me say this. Most of the, even the good ones, and I know they're good insider guys, but most of the reported stuff that comes out, they come from the candidate, meaning the candidate agent and whatnot. Very rarely, even the Schefter guys and all that. Um, Urban is likes his name out there. He let his name out there, you know, stoke a little bit with Texas. And there's a reason for that. It's the same reason John Gruden let his name. You know, people say, well, if John Gruden wasn't interested in going to Tennessee, why wouldn't he take his name out? Because he doesn't want to take his name out. He wants his name out there so that other people, meaning in the NFL, would think, hey, you know what? Maybe John wants to get out of the broadcast booth and coach. I think Urban has some interest. I I'm not going to get into the medical stuff and what he and Shelly want to do because that's that's personal. But let, let me just say this. in in my background in this is something's got to give and it has to be a fit. Shot Khan has, he had Tom Coughlin be the, the czar. He had complete control of the roster. He didn't like the way Tom Coughlin handled it. And, and Tom was fired before, you know, and he kept Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone this past year. Well, he's obviously gotten rid of both Doug and, well, Dave a, a month or so ago, and then, then Doug. Shotgun has come out and said that he took over final say of the roster, meaning Shot, the owner, um, and that he plans to continue that going forward. Well, something's got to give because – Urban Meyer is not going without complete control. So Shad has to change that. And maybe that is what he's telling um, Terry Fontenot of the Saints, who he's interviewed for the GM job. But maybe that's not what he's willing to give up for Urban. Let me say this on the other side. Love Urban. I, I you know, know him and he's got faults and all that. Known him since he's been a GA at Ohio State. Urban does not know the league. Urban, Urban would hire the GM. Okay, so the way it would work if Urban went there, if it got through all that, he would hire the GM. The The problem is, if it were me, I, I wouldn't be willing to hand my franchise over to someone who has no background in the NFL. Look, Nick Saban had a lot of background in the NFL, and, and a lot of people don't know this. Nick Saban actually preferred the NFL style and system. It was Terry Saban that wanted him back in college because she loved that. And I don't want to revisit that, but I, I think it's intriguing to urban. I think it's an ego stroke to him. I mean, just to the point where it's, it's come out. Oh, he's asking for 12 million a year. You know, it's just when stuff like that is put out there, it's put out there for a reason. I shot kind may offer him uh, Dan Snyder hired Steve Spurrier. Steve's ego. I, I can, my system will work in the NFL. Just watch and see. There's a lot of that. When you don't understand, it's a completely different. I've done both. It's a completely different dynamic. Not that Urban can't learn it, but it is really difficult when you have to hire the gym underneath you to teach you how to do things. And boy, do you get it right? Or do you get a yes, man? You don't have a learning curve there. And you can't screw this up. So if I'm Jacksonville, am I getting take 
not only do they have that high pick, they have many other picks. Um, am I giving that over to a guy that, that, I mean, this is the most attractive DM job, or am I going to give it to a guy that knows how to run this? There are a lot of tentacles involved and, you know, I'm not sure that I would do that if I were Jacksonville. And if I were urban, other than ego, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I asked this only because it, it's just the little rumble that won't completely go away. Let me say this. I, I don't give it a 1% chance, but I, I ask it because I know you know these people. Is there any scenario in your mind, Chris, where and you and I have already talked about this. So I know your answer, but the listeners weren't privy to that conversation, so I want them to sort of hear it. Is there any thought in your mind, let's say Nick Saban wins on Monday night, gets his, what would that be, his sixth national title? Uh, it would be six at, is it seven? Six, six at Bama. And, and six at Bama. Ties Bear at Bama, and he, he surpasses him with one at LSU. He surpasses the Bear for the most national championships ever. Is there any thought in your mind that Nick Saban says, yeah, Grind says six, it would be six at Bama, so he's seven overall. No one would question his legacy as a, a college football coach. He's the greatest of all time. Is there any thought in your mind that he says, you know what, I, I left a little bit of unfinished business on my resume. I'm going to go do this thing in, in Jacksonville. I think that would be where he would go if he were given total power. Is there any thought in your mind that he gives that one more shot, or do you think he says, nope, I'm just going to keep trying to roll up championships in Tuscaloosa? Well, again, I, I want to be because I, I don't want to speak for him. Let me say this from Nick. I do think. As I said earlier, I think he, that some things in the NFL intrigue him. Um, a lot of things do. And I wouldn't rule out at some point him wanting to maybe run a franchise. You know, if if someone were to do, um, say, let's say Shot Khan, who's got a lot of money, um, says, I'll give you part of the team. And I'll, you know, do something like that. Uh, you'd certainly have to look at that, think about it, what have you. Uh, again, is that what you want to do if you're Jacksonville? I'm not talking about the money because they got money. Yeah. But is that the best fit? Do you want to? Re- I, I, I don't I don't know that that would be something. Everyone's. Oh, yeah, they get they go. go. Maybe the owner would. I don't even know as much as I love Nick. I don't think that's even the best thing for them. But would he consider that? Yeah, I think he would. I, I think Terry would be. Terry hated, I mean, she had a beautiful house in Fort Lauderdale Lakes, but she wasn't Miss Miami. She wasn't Miss, you know, she liked being Miss Alabama, Miss Louisiana, you know, the, the first lady of, you know, they're, they, they get, they get treated. She gets treated like the first lady more than the governor's wife. I, you know, I, I can tell you this. If you pull the people in Alabama, I tell you, I don't know how many percentage of the people you think would know who the first lady is in the, the state of Alabama. I think everyone knows Miss Terry. Uh, prove your point. It'd be a first gentleman. It's whoever Kay Ivy's married. to. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't even know that. I don't even know the governor there. Okay. So that's right. First gentleman. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, my first no, because I don't think he wants to do that. But but th- would the intrigue? What I've always thought about is this: at some point, he'll feel like, and I don't think it's now. I think it's timing. I think at some point he'll feel like you know, it's not the same. You know, it it's it, right now. It's the same. It, it's not the same. I don't have the passion. Then then that's when he's going to want to step away. Then I think he'd be miserable for like a month. I mean, after a month, he'd be miserable and he'd be looking for another challenge to where maybe somebody, because I don't know that TV would be, you know, it for him. I mean, I think that might be a little bit like it is for Urban. Okay, but not a lot. And I think running a team might be something he might be interested in. I just don't know that uh, the timing is right. But would I rule out anything possibly? I would say no. I wasn't even aware that that rumor was out there. I don't pay it. You know, I I don't get a lot of the, I don't go on the internet and social media stuff, that stuff. There, there's nothing don't that, 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 that would, there's nothing to that at that point. But I will say this, I will tell you this. In fact, you may remember this. 
I told people because I I worked with him and I did a lot of work with him. Um, when he was at Miami, I think I even told you he's not taking the Alabama job because yep. he told me he's not taking it. Yeah. And but what I didn't know is I didn't talk to Terry and I didn't realize how badly she wanted. And it was Terry Saban who, you know, Mal Moore and Terry Saban, it was Terry Saban that that got with Mal Moore and says, we have got to get, you know, when Mal came over, Terry invited Mal to the house before he got in. Nick called from at that point, it was car phones, you know, more than cell phones. And he called and he said, I- I'm not comfortable with this. And he actually backed out of it. And, and she said, come home, let's talk about it. And apparently Mal was still in town at a hotel and Ter- uh, Nick came home, Terry was there and Mal was, <laughs> was at the end of the couch. And what, what Nick says, he says, he says, I said, Oh, bleep. I know where I'm going. Now. He says he knew then how badly she wanted. It was an emotional situation. She did not like it. And, uh, Nick loved Wayne Heisinger, the late Wayne Heisinger, and did not want to leave him. And and it he says, there's only one way I'm leaving Miami. He says, is is you know after he after they said made the pitch, Terry did. Is 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 if if I get Wayne's blessing, and Wayne said, Nick, leave. Do not go. We'll be fine and all that. He says, if. You know, that's, that's what he told me, but at the, to the end, cause at the very moment when all this stuff was going on, I was doing work in free agency form. So, I mean, it was like, while Terry and Mel were working out a deal in Alabama, Nick was working on free agency. That's how focused he was. That's how that situation played out. And, you know, people say all the time, and I know, you know, coaches lie all the time. I'm not going to Alabama. I'm not. Nick wasn't going to Alabama. <laughs> Terry was. And if he wanted to stay married, I'd kid. You know, so but what, that's you're how saying, what you're saying to me, Chris, is that all these Auburn fans out there that have been tortured over the last decade plus. You blame Terry. Should be angry at Rita Rodriguez and Terry Saban. Because at the end of the day, those are the two people that created this monster. Yeah, but do you remember poor Rita? I do. She got raked over the – bless her heart. She had some hair now. I mean, she had she had hair that was as big as Alabama's offensive lines. I mean, the hair was – Rita had some hair now. I mean, that was the bouffant, the Farrah Fawcett on steroids hairdo. Have I ever told Rita. you about Rich Rodriguez, Rita Rodriguez story? No, no, but I want to hear it. But, 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 yes, for people who don't know, Rich Rodriguez took the job. Absolutely. And then and then backed out of it. And that's when Mal went after Nick Saban for the second time. Nick Saban turned him down the first wave. And the whole Alabama fan base, because I can remember being on what's his name? The uh the Fine Bomb show. He did a local show, remember? And it was it was it was typical. That Jezebel, <laughs> you know, that was the whole thing going on. Go ahead. I want to hear the Rita story. So the the quarterback at West Virginia at the time was Pat White. Remember Pat yep. White? Yes, sir. <laughs> so Pat White was from Daphne. I was in Mobile at the Mobile, what was then, I guess it was the Mobile Register, the Mobile Press Register. I don't know. We called it the Cash Register because these are back in the glory days of newspaper. We just spent money. And uh, we were, you remember this preseason, we would do these big tabs. So was, oh, these do these massive tabs. We had a high school tab, we did an SEC tab. We did a college football tab, and we did an NFL tab. You know, these massive, they'd sell all this advertising and rake in the money. And and so my sports editor was like, I want you to go do a story on uh, Pat White. I want you to do a big Pat White story for uh, the, the cover of the, of the college football tab. And I said, okay. So I fly to Pittsburgh. I drive down to Morgantown. And I'm down in Morgantown for about, I don't know, three days, three and a half days. And uh, I go to West Virginia's practice, and I talk to Pat, and I talk to a bunch of his teammates, and uh, I'm I, I'm talking to uh, coaches and such. And then on uh, Saturday, they have a scrimmage, and I go to the scrimmage. And I was scheduled to leave on on Monday. I was going to talk to somebody else on Monday. I can't remember who or Sunday. I can't. I whatever. And uh, no, my editor uh, Den- Denny was a guy named uh, John Cameron who sounded a lot like Coach O. Um, 
and he he, uh, he they he had, they had a great scrimmage, and so Rodriguez gave him Sunday off, Chris, and so the sports information director calls me, and it was um the the sports writer in Los Angeles, college football writer for a long time, who passed away last year, uh, called us and said, "Hey, Rich has lots of time if you guys want to come interview him," and so we did, and we were in there, man, for a couple of hours. And he was in a really good mood, and he was talking a lot. And this is back when Rich Rodriguez was the king of West Virginia. And he's given us all this stuff. And this was shortly after there had been one of those mining tragedies where the coal miners got trapped, and it was big national news on CNN and all that stuff. And so we were talking about that. And I filled up tape recorders, cassettes full of stuff, Chris on West Virginia and Rich Rodriguez and all this stuff. And I'm like, I remember calling my sports editor going, do you want a Rich Rodriguez story? And he's like, no, just give us Pat White. And something in the back of my mind made me hang on to those tapes. Okay. So we break the story in Mobile that Rich Rodriguez is getting the Alabama job. He's taking the job. And so my sports editor calls me and he goes, hey, I need, I need you to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. I need you to be in Tuscaloosa tomorrow for the big press conference. And I said, John, I've told you this for a long time. This has been on the schedule for two months. I'm having a vasectomy in the morning and I can't get out of it because if I get out of it, I got to wait two more months to do it. And my wife's going to kill me. We just had our third child, and she was like, you're not touching me again until things have been snipped. <laughs> well, we're really opening up. We're really getting in depth now. So what happened was, <laughs> he says to me, he goes, he goes well, well, I need you there. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll cut you a deal. I'll write, I'll write, a, uh, I'll write a big, big story on Rich Rodriguez, <clears throat> and I'll get it to you overnight. It'll be ready. And – I don't go to Tuscaloosa. And he says, okay, deal. And so, man, I sit there that night. I closed everything, turned everything off, sat at our kitchen counter in Spanish Fort, Alabama, and wrote and wrote and wrote, transcribed and wrote and wrote and wrote. Turned in a story that I thought was really good. Went to bed at about four in the morning, got up. My wife drove me to the Mobile Infirmary. I had my little procedure, got my double shot of Valium. Came back to the house, laid down, went to sleep, got a phone call, and it's my uh, my sports editor said it's great story, it's a really good story, and I'm like, well, why are you why are you calling me? You know I'm out. And he goes, he goes, well, you can sell it to anybody you want to. We don't need it. <laughs> and I said, do what? And he said he turned it down. And I said, oh my god, you've got to be kidding. And he goes, so get back on it. <laughs> and so I spent the rest of that day laying there with my bag full of frozen peas, making phone calls. Oh, on, Lord, I'm at that point I'm right back on the Nick Saban watch. So people will never, people will never know, like you said, just how close it was, Rich Rodriguez to Alabama, which would have meant Nick Saban to Alabama never happened. Just to 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 put a, a perspective in a timeline, um, what's the date? Is the is it the fifth today? Um, I think it was the third. January third was when Nick was hired at Alabama on a on a January third. Because he insisted and, on finishing the season. Yes, game and correct, mm-hmm. correct. And so this was going on to the end of the – I mean, this was like – there was – the end of. so think about the end of the college season. So think about like the entire month of December this was encapsulated all of Alabama because obviously, you know, head coach. And so I tell this to people all the time, you know, people, people talk about Alabama, no one's going to catch him. Um, you know, I've seen USC. I've seen Alabama. I've seen a lot of programs. You know, one say, well, everybody can win at Alabama. Uh, no. In fact, no one other than Bear Bryant and Nick Saban has done this at Alabama. They've been two times, which is more than most. Notre Dame was the exception because Notre Dame was great for years and years, regardless of whoever coached them. Miami was good for years and years, whoever coached them for a, for a more modern stretch. Alabama had, you know, well, the two most dominant coaches ever, Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. But outside of that, I mean, yeah, Wallace Wade was Wallace Wade was hired off of Vanderbilt staff to come and build, uh, and he left Alabama to go to Duke. And Gene Stallings won a title. Yeah, he did. Won one title. And, I mean, I'm not saying that if Gene wouldn't have been there at a different time that he might not have won two or three. But 
the point is, is that no, it, it, it's, it's, it's not a given that you're going to, everyone's going to win like that. In fact, it, it took a long time between bear and Nick Saban for them to look like Alabama. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, there's uh, just one of many news. Um, a, a quick thing on Dan Mullen. Cause yeah. I know there's a lot of talk on that. Look, Dan, has requested this is really interesting dan has requested an interview his agent has requested a couple of teams to get an interview um I, you know dan is very quirky he's he and mike leacher they they their their uh their voice inflections are completely different one's really 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 fast and one is like ah uh, you know really slow but they're 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 a little bit different they're, they're different cats, both of them. I mean, they're, they're, they're similar in that they're different dudes. Dan, I don't, there's not much interest in Dan. It's more of he's interested. I don't think he's interested in leaving Florida. And this is goes to what I've talked about with coaches and all that. He, Dan feeling a lot of heat. There's a lot of heat and we didn't even get a chance to talk about it. Just the kind of the embarrassing PR mess he's, created for himself this year. This is a way to kind of say, um, you know, other people love me. So take that Florida. I mean, you know, what I, yep. that that's what it is, is, you know, because there's, you know, there was even a rumor that had to be shot down yesterday, Jacksonville, that, uh, that, uh, Atlanta was going to interview him. That was not true. He's not on their list. In fact, I've got Atlanta's interview list and, um, what do you what do you make of the end of Dan Mullen's season at Florida? It did not end no the way that they they, they they had built something and it looks like they lost a lot of momentum. I know they played Alabama well, but they they had that disaster of a loss to LSU, and then they just get steamrolled in the bowl game. And I know bowls this and bowls that, but they got steamrolled. They did. Um, look, I I think Dan is a brilliant play caller. There's more to being a good head coach than being a play caller. Um, Dan has kind of lived on the goofy side at, at Mississippi state, but you know what, when you win as much as he did over there, relatively speaking, you get hailed. And and when you say goofy things, they don't notice it as much in Starkville as they do in Gainesville. I mean, they don't, they don't nationally, sure. they don't, they don't hear that as much. I think I've said this before, and I mean this with all due respect that Dan's personality quirks. I think personality quirks are one thing. I think Dan, and he'd probably be upset, you know, saying that, but I think the the biggest problem I see with Dan is a lack of accountability. I just think that he has a hard time just owning up to stuff. So, for example, you know, you go out in the middle of the field in the Missouri game, you, you know, he doubles down on, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change. No, 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 I, I would do that again. Just, you know, get it. You know, the, the Darth Vader stuff is goofy, which in and of itself is not a problem, but it just says, what's up with this guy? And then you throw that, then you throw the LSU preparation or lack thereof. That shows a lack of leadership. And then the whole, like, for example, the throw show against it, you would say, look, that's unfortunate. Uh, we weren't prepared to to play. Whatever you want to say about it, and we don't want guys throwing. A, he actually doubled down on that. Like, no big deal. I didn't know that was a penalty. I mean, it's a football move. It's most that's stupid. That creates a culture of no accountability to your players because you're taking no accountability. And then you go into the Florida game and you completely disrespect your opponent. Just say what it is. Yeah, okay. You, 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 you lot, you're not the first person that takes the bowl game and says, we're going to use it as the beginning of next year. And and we're going to, but how you basically wanted to, I mean, things like, well, that that's, that's not the 2020 team. The 2020 team was just zip it for God's sakes. Just, he just lacks, and that is going to get him because what it really means, Neil, is that any time that you don't win all the time, which is never unless you're Alabama, you're going to get that. Well, this guy can't win the big one. He, 
And my point is, is it's this is something he can fix. It's a personality trait or a flaw that he's got a huge ego. He's not the only one that has a huge ego. If you don't think somebody has a huge ego, I mean, you don't think Nick Saban's got a huge ego, but you know what? When he, you know, kind of snaps at that young reporter on TV, which I don't even know if he needed, that was something very innocuous. He went and apologized and said, I shouldn't, you know, you've got to humble yourself a little bit. And I think if Dan doesn't do that, I think you've got to wonder about his ability to lead overall. I, he's, I don't think he likes recruiting. Uh, I don't know. No coach likes recruiting. Some are better at it and focus on it. Um, I just think Dan's reaction to all this is you're going to criticize me. I'm going to tell you, look at this. I'm going to make sure that my name is associated with a couple of NFL jobs. Cause it's not like he could associate it with another college job. Where is he going to go to leave Florida? You know what I mean? He's not, you know, but, but let me just tell you, he interviews poorly. I don't know how many people know this. He interviewed at Oregon before they hired Willie Taggart. Folks, they hired Willie Taggart. Yeah, I remember this. Over him. Mississippi he, State at the time. and, and, and was, He did. It, but it, it every time he interviews, if he when he interviews with these teams, if he doesn't, I mean, there is nobody going to interview him. They're going to say, this guy is wacky. You know, and he's a good wacky. He's smart. He's very um, – a lot of very bright guys are kind of savants but they're not real polished and maybe some of the common sense stuff. You ever had somebody that was really, really smart at, at, at a certain field, but had no common sense, that great doctor, great neurosurgeon that had the, you know, a personality of a persimmon. That's Dan. Dan's just a little goofy. And I, I just think he hurts himself a little bit in terms of how he presents himself. If he wants to be that. Uh, anyway, that's that's my thought. And by the way, that is what. And, and he didn't have to worry about an interview at Florida. He had enough background there, and they need they wanted him, and boom, the interview didn't get him there. That's also hurt Mike Leach too. So let's touch on Tennessee real quick. It doesn't look like anything's going to happen yet. There's no, there's no big statement that's come out. And just it's been kind of quiet, kind of eerily quiet. If anything, I've heard some rumblings that Tennessee's going to hang on one more year. It's twofold. They want to give Pruitt. A little more time. They also want to see if one more year of distance maybe creates a little bit more of a, a palatability, if that's the right word for uh, for Hugh Freeze. There's a lot there. What do you what do you hear out of Knoxville? Well, the thing that's interesting, um, doing some work is going to help them with. So they've got three assistant openings. Jeremy Pruitt can't hire anybody. He's been told that he can interview, but he can't hire anybody. Uh, it's on hold. Uh, I'm not, not, not you're not going to be able to hire anybody, period. Maybe I said that wrong, gave the wrong impression. Sets on a hold. They're, they're, they paid an outside firm to look into this investigation that's going on. And so that's kind of fueled the belief of, well, are they looking to find something on him? I don't know if that's the case, but if they find something on him, then and he's attached to it, meaning Jeremy, then they can fire him with cause. They don't want to have to pay three new assistants that they just hired and probably going to have to give at least two years, if not three-year deals. Uh, and so that is kind of messy. I mean, I think he'll be back, but if they have a way to go and move on from him, that'll be interesting. It's going to come down to this. As I've said before, the administration, meaning Philip, Philip former, does not want to get rid of them. It, it's just about now I can tell you that Jim Haslam's really back involved again, I guess, since he's got the Browns in the playoffs, he's got time on his hands. I don't know um, that he, uh, Oh, um, the dish guy, I forget what Charlie's last name is. Uh, the dish guy uh, they, they, they are wanting to kind of move on and are willing to spend much. So if, if they're willing to do that, I don't, I don't rule it out. But that's the scenario right now. It's the inner, you know, but it's not like they're going to override Philip. I think they've got to either, they're either going to tell Philip he's going to have to do this, or there's going to be something that can fire him with cause, or 
you know, I think they're going to give them that other year. I know that's it's it's pretty, but that's kind of what's going on right now. the The difficulty is if you don't make the move now, I don't know when you make the move because it's going to really get tougher. I mean, so it's like the clock is running. The clock is now. Look, I mean, it's not a question of you know people say, well, they can fire them in a month and then Hugh Freeze will come. Well, yeah, but then putting a staff together and doing all that. That is complex. It's not like, you know, hiring the head coach. If you freeze as a guy and that's who they want and that's where you wants to go, let's just assume that you, you got to forget he's got to hire staff and you've just, you know, you've just kind of lost that window. So I think it's important to make a move if they want to make a move. Um, Time but is, yes. that's, that's, <laughs> all, that's the holdup. They're trying to find out the, what say, well, what's the holdup? The whole, they're not just twiddling your thumbs. They're trying to figure out what's going on and what happened with this NCAA stuff. So they're waiting on that. And that's, that's the holdup. Um, and you know, the whole thing, well, they're gathering the money. Now, if they're gathering the money, then they're in trouble. It, it's, it's, that's what they're holding. At some point they got to, you know, fish or cut bait. I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll, we'll keep you posted. And, uh, by the way, got, uh, Updates on LSU, the Alabama offensive coordinator position, and the Texas staff with Sark and what he's trying to do with Alabama staff. We'll maybe get to some of that on Friday. I wonder if let's break down the game. Yeah, we got a little time, yes. A little, yeah, time. We got a little time. Alabama yeah. offensive coordinator, a lot of Bill O'Brien buzz, some Adam Gase buzz that's probably going to come from NFL system. That's the the route that Saban wants to go. That's what I'm hearing. And look, I'm not dialed into the Alabama program. You you are much more than I am. What what are you hearing about who, who will replace Steve Sarkeesian? Well, well, Bill obviously with a with a long. First of all, when you, you've now got twelve guys that have gone on to head coaching jobs off of Nick's staff, think about that. Twelve, a dozen. Hell of a tree. So it is one of those things where you go. It's like going to get your doctorate, and you know most of them go with a buyout. Butch Jones just got his let. He's getting his last check from Tennessee this month, and he's on the payroll at Arkansas State. He timed that up pretty good. Yep. And again, because he's not an on the field coach, it wasn't a, it wasn't an offset. So he does that's So so you go there, you collect your money. Bill O'Brien is getting paid a lot of money. What they do, they hire guys like that, pay them thirty grand, and they need benefits to pay benefits, maybe a car. And, and and they get a doctorate and they rehabilitate and get back into the coaching, uh, you know. Uh, and, and I think with Bill O'Brien, um, may not get that shot necessarily in the NFL. Although Bill O'Brien, the GM, killed him. Bill O'Brien, the head coach, because guy won four division titles there and wasn't all that bad. So, but he's got to rehabilitate himself. So that's the motivation for Bill wanting to go there. And I don't know in what capacity and whether it'll work out. Uh, Bill's got a Bill. Bill's got a special needs child, and that that's a consideration too, uh, an autistic child. Uh, and, and I think that's a possibility. Um, Adam Gase is a young guy that um, I've known for a long time. He's going back to Nick with Michigan State, and he got hired uh, uh, Adam as a GA at LSU back in two thousand. So long time ago. That's a possibility. Uh, I, I've talked about a couple of other guys, um, you know, uh, that, that I think, you know, uh, a Phil Longo is an intriguing guy. Uh, but I, I think that the names that you're hearing that, that, yeah, yeah. Is an intriguing guy. I know I've talked with, with, with uh, Nick about him. He's asked about him in the past before Sark took this job. Wow. Uh, there's, there's a number of people that, um, that, he's also got some people there. Um, but there's, there's a, there's a pretty long list, a little too long. I don't know that I want to get into all of them because then, you know, people kind of take it wrong and go, but there's also something I'll tease with this. Okay. There's also something that needs to be, and I'm going to do a report on this. Um, he's got to figure out how he wants to handle a very important member of that staff and that's Kyle Flood. So Steve Sarkeesian would like to bring Kyle Flood with him as the offensive coordinator at Texas. Kyle would handle – is the great offensive line coach, former head coach, wants to be a head coach. Uh, again, and had a little bit of problems off the field. Coordinate the run game. You know, Sark would still call the plays and run the passing game. That's kind of the plan there. Um, 
I don't know. He might would just stay at Alabama. I, if, if it were me and our Kyle and, you know, I haven't talked with him. But if he would ask, you know, you can be assistant head coach, offensive line coach, you still can get a head coaching job. You don't have to be a coordinator. And and the likelihood is in one, two, three, four years, who's going to win more games and be more successful, Alabama or Texas? So he's got to think hard about that. But that's going to be something that I know that that uh, that Steve is and will make a run at. And we'll see how that plays out. So uh, that's that is something that would be in, you know, it would be a big loss. But uh there's you look at that Mario Cristobal and him moving on and becoming you know Kyle kind of sees I think Kyle needs to look at himself he can be the he's already been a head coach he can be the the next Mario Cristobal the offensive line coach it's good recruiter learn some things so I think that's something to watch out for it uh, and it'll be some other members lower members of the staff that will probably go with them uh, in. Um, in positions. Will Muschamp uh, did talk with them, not or give a courtesy talk, but wasn't interested. Um, Barry Odom is pretty high on Texas's list. I know Tasha Lapoy is somebody that, that, that Sark likes. I'm not sure that's the real good fit uh, as well. Um, think about Bo Davis, where he might end up. There's some Texas talk. There's been some Ole Miss talk. Yeah. You know, and, and quite frankly, um, you know, for some reason, uh, because of the NCAA issue at Alabama, LSU's backed off on him. And, and I recruited Bo Davis out of Copiah Lincoln Junior College to go to LSU. And I thought that would have been great fit for for them. I mean, look, I mean, Bo made a mistake, but it wasn't a, an egregious one. And he was a fall guy for, you know, something that happened there. I, I think he's a really good defensive line coach. I do think he's – you know, maybe not ideal as a defensive coordinator, but but he could absolutely be a part of a couple of situations there. Um, so that's that's the the latest there, and uh, we'll have the update on LSU's coordinator searches as well. We've got a lot going on in the coaching searches, and really the NFL's with GM searches and coaching searches. We've got seven. Well, got seven organizations that are actively involved now. So like on, on a little bit behind, um, uh, Auburn search we talked about before we went on. Um, I've got to do a little catch up on that. Probably you'll do that today. And we'll talk about that Monday, uh, uh, Friday. Yeah. I've heard about three names at, uh, at Auburn on that offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. There's the, uh, there's the coach on the Washington staff that he's looking at. And there's a coach on the Arizona State staff that he's looking at. Those are the three names that I've heard. Um, oh, I bet I know who that is. Okay. And by the way. Um, Hill, I it, think is his name. Yes. Jeff Levy, by the way, is somebody that Nick is fond of as well. So um, it'll be a challenge for Lane to keep him um, because it's a growth move for him with Lane being offense coordinator. But that would be a good – that'd be a – Feather in Ole Miss's cap if they can keep him. He's very well regarded and regard. I don't know that he's necessarily the the top one or two guys on Nick's list of ideas, but I but I think I think he's in the mix. Let me say that. Yeah, Chris Thrasher. As we finish, this is a lot of buzz here in Oxford about Muschamp. There, there there was some buzz. I don't I don't think Will to Ole Miss is is a realistic. No, if he wanted to go back, he'd go to he'd go to a place like Texas where he's been before. I, I Will's making a lot of money. He's going to be very selective where he wants to go. And I, I just, timing is not, a, I think there's it's not a little good. time to decompress. Yep. Um, he's yep. not going to LSU. He's not going to Ole Miss. He's not going to Texas. I don't know if there's another situation that might not intrigue him. Chris, I think um, he's going to go know. to Georgia for a year as, as a kind of <laughs> analyst. He's going to help me a little bit. He's going to watch his kids play football. I think he's going to catch his breath and count his money a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, he could do some of that. Absolutely. He and Kirby are close. I don't – people have said, you know, he's not he's not going to go back to, to Alabama. I can tell you that. He's not going to go and do – just what I just what you said at Georgia is not going to do that at Alabama, but he would do that at Georgia, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I will say this: that there's some um, he does have some NFL interests in some ways. I just don't think the timing's good, and there are a lot of defense coordinator openings. But you know, quite frankly, I got to tell you, it's it's the NFL is NFL experience is really important, and and will outside of the little time he had with with Nick at Miami, that's. I don't think that's he's going to be a hot commodity there. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. And then I think being 
the right coordinator. Uh, like a Texas situation would be a good fit. The timing's not right. I think that type of job somewhere in a year or two, he's young enough to where I think he'll do that. But collect the money. And uh, like I said, if he can get some analyst money, that makes sense because then it's less pressure, don't have as much um, – you know, pressure and, you know, I spend as much time as you said, spend time with your kids and you get all the money that you're getting from South Carolina. And, you know, they throw an extra 30,000, even if you make a lot of money, throw a little extra money, you know, that's for the wife to go and <laughs> do whatever he wants with. Hey, that's, that makes all the sense in the world for at least a year or so. All right. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. It's a lot of good stuff. If you guys like uh, coaching gossip and such, this is the place to be over the next uh, couple of months. Cause we'll, we'll have it. We'll have NFL gossip for you as well. Rumors as the NFL uh, transitions into the playoffs and into draft prep and into the off season, free agency, all of those things, Chris dialed into all of those things. So uh, we'll be back on Friday morning, 9 AM central. We'll uh, get you ready for Alabama, Ohio state. We'll talk about the LSU uh, staff. We'll talk about the Auburn staff. I think both of us will know a little bit more about that by then and uh, whatever else kind of falls out from there. And we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll give you the scenario for how, if possible, Ohio State pulls off the big upset on Monday night and beats Alabama. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody joining us in the chat room. Um, over Twitch TV, join us again Friday. Uh, send us your questions, and uh, if you're not into that and you're listening, uh, feel free to send a question. Go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, or uh, reach us uh, on on uh, Twitter at LandryFootball. Um, Neil uh, uh, can reach Neil as well uh, on on Twitter. Send us a question there if you you know can't join us in the chat room live. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. We guys, we will see you guys on Friday. Until then, take care. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.